What's going on, everybody? Welcome to episode 93 of Beards of Tech, um, another quarantine edition episode uh, featuring none other than Irvin and Jeff. It's good to hear you this week. I'm happy. I'm so happy you're here. <laughs> yeah, it's been a long time. Yeah. I haven't looked at the episode dates, but it's definitely been several months since I've been on the airwaves. It's been at least, yes, <laughs> since we've had a, a, a sizable number of our people on here. I'm excited. Yeah, it's though. good to have you back. Uh, I could actually check. Let's see. When's the last time <laughs> Jeff was on? October seventeenth, which was the last episode we've done uh, in a long time. Yeah, it was the last time you joined. At least I was there for the last episode before the impromptu break. Yeah, the, the impromptu <laughs> break. Yeah, the penultimate break. But um, <laughs> okay. So also we have a nice benefit because we can check Liza off the list. She's officially on. Oh, the yeah. Episode. We can check. Yeah. Uh, she's part of the episode as well. Um, <laughs> so she won't She won't be barking as much, but she'll, she's there in spirit. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, we have a little bit to talk about. I know there was a couple of things that me and Irvin didn't get a chance to talk about last week that I know are very, uh, very important and at the forefront of his mind, at least. And I know Jeff has some very strong opinions about that. Um, but it's contact tracing. Um and a lot of people have been looking into ways of tracking people who have COVID-19 and trying to figure out the best ways to reintegrate back into society. But I don't know if, Irvin, if you want to give like a, a brief overview into what contact tracing is at the high level or and maybe like start that discussion. Yeah. So this is one uh, couple, uh, this contact tracing has been brought up um, by a lot of uh, uh, different health organizations um, like CDC and, and WHO to sort of facilitate helping, um, you know, certain um, regions of the world get back to somewhat normal. Um, so their, their argument is this uh, would uh, um, help integrate, you know, bring, bring everyone so that they can actually go outside again and, and, uh, participate in, in, in group activities or, um, or things like that. But main thing, you know, this contract chasing, you know, hasn't been really talked about before, but it has been really uh, mentioned a lot. Um, we could have used contact tracing yesterday because we were, we were out at, um, out at Lowe's because we had to get some stuff for our garden that we're setting up. And there was so many people, like the parking lot of that Lowe's was full. And it was oh. actual insanity. Like, if I get COVID-19, it's because of yesterday. <laughs> I was at a park yesterday, and it was packed because it was also beautiful out yesterday. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, it was, it was packed as well. So just to, to go back a little bit, what is contact tracing? So the idea of contact tracing is that to uh, have an idea, because right now when you go out to do your grocery shopping um, or go to Lowe's, um, for example, like Matt, <laughs> you have no idea if you have been uh, near someone who has tested positive for COVID. Um, and the contact tracing is meant to help um, with that um, mm -hmm. so that you can use technology like your phone that you're always carrying around to say, hey, have you spent enough uh, time with someone around someone who has had who has tested positive recently for COVID-19. Um, it's been quite controversial uh, because of its privacy implications, uh, obviously, because people don't want to be tracked on where they are. Um, um, and uh, they certainly don't want certain governments to know, you know, their their locations mm -hmm. and, and have that data as well. Um, so there's... Uh, Not to there mention, a, there's like, a, whenever this whole thing is over, what happens to that data? Is it deleted? Does it stick yeah. around? Stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it's been put into place in uh, one of the bigger ones is South Korea, where it's helped greatly in terms of reducing... Uh, the amount of infections, but that type of contract tracing that was implemented in South Korea was, uh, I think, less privacy focused and, mm -hmm. um, and really did um, 
actually track people and and, and um, uh, I, I they used uh, all kinds of measures like um, uh, even detecting if you went off your um, local Wi-Fi and you would immediately get a text message on your phone if you spent too long of a time on LTE where you weren't staying at home like that's going <laughs> too far because that's really locking people in their house and and actually have like police and law enforcement show up at your place if you if you aren't connected to your local Wi-Fi like yeah. that's a little bit too much that's going too f overboard um, mm -hmm. so there's been uh, a joint effort put together by Google and Apple to come up with a uh, an ecosystem that works cross-platform because this doesn't really work if it's you know Apple has their own system and Google has their own system it sort of has to all work together regardless of what type of phone uh, that you yeah. use out there. So the main idea of contact tracing is is um, using your phone as a way to detect if you've been near someone who has uh, tested positive recently for um, uh, COVID-19. One of the main points about this joint effort by uh, Google and Apple is they want to really focus on privacy. So um, if you don't, this is all opt-in um, by default. Uh, which is good. Mm -hmm. So if you don't want to participate, you don't have to. But the idea is, and they'll, they'll be encouraging people to participate, the idea is the more people that participate, the the, the better the data is, right? The better that sort of we can improve and, and actually know who contacts who and who's been around who and how this sort of um, disease or virus spreads. Right. So um, well, the... I have a question if I can jump in. Yeah. Um, no, you're not. Was allowed. it was it was it was it a opt-in in South Korea? Do you know that? No, it was not opt-in in South Korea because they did their own system. Okay, so it was that was. also was that also done by mobile device like personal electronics? Yeah. Okay, and the question I have with the 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 apps, I guess, or the the feature um, rolling out for Google and Apple, um, do they intermingle? the Google and Apple data sets or is it okay? So does that, you're nodding your head. Yes. For people who can't yeah. see. Yes. Um, sorry. <laughs> does that, does that imply that that data is then routed to federal agencies and or local authorities, or is it Google and Apple who holds on to that data and does something with it? Yeah. So, um, there is certainly data, um, that's housed both on Google and Apple's and to sort of help, facilitate it like to track who's, who's been in contact with what but uh, all that data is anonymized so all that's being sent to google and apple according to their documentation i'm, I'm sure it'll be vetted by security agencies uh, third parties uh, specifically um is is just an id a randomized id that gets assigned to your device and that's also refreshed every so often so it's not the same id um, that will be within the database. Um, so it's all, so even if you got a hold of someone's ID, it'll only be valid for a little bit of time before it's refreshed. I'm pretty sure it's actually daily that it gets refreshed, okay. that ID um, that you and the digital track. And it's all locally on the phone. Um, uh, but sort of that, the, the central data, there's no like one central database where you can see um, uh, who's been in contact with who, it, at mm. least individual people. You can see in the IDs that uh, have been in contact with other IDs. So and you can't tie that back to the person. That's the idea, at least. Okay. Um, but I'm waiting on other people to actually vet this and, and give their opinion on the exact technology. So for Google, do we know if this is built into the OS or... Is it going to be like a separate app installation or? Yeah, so it's part of the, that's a good question because. Uh, because Android is. Exactly. There's a lot of Android updates and releasing those is quite an issue. And, you know, it's not like it's like Apple. They can release a, an update and it'll be available on, you know, phones going back four or five years. Yeah. Um, yeah, so it's actually will be part of Google, a Google Play services update. And it'll actually go back to quite a long time in terms of Android versions. Okay. Um, yeah, because it's going through the Google Play services update, which comes through the Play Store. Let me guess, like KitKat um, or Lollipop is where it goes back to? Uh, 
I'm checking. I'm going to look it up now. But it actually, yeah, um, it goes back fairly far. Also, I find it funny when describing Apple's um, software longevity that we can now say from SE to SE. (laughs) (laughs) From SE to Shining SE. Yeah. <laughs> nice. I'll be here. So all week. the the um and this is also coming out in phases. So right now the initial versions that'll be rolling out starting this month, um, the Apple version is already in beta, and I think there's a Google version is already in beta. It's basically an I- API um okay. that's being released so that other app developers can build in this contact tracing. So it's not built into the OS level yet. Mm-hmm. That's phase two. Okay. Uh, that's going to be built into the core of the OS, or um, you don't need where you won't need a th- another app to actually use this. Okay. The idea is right now is have this API where um, typically in other countries, you know, you would have like, uh, and I actually Australia is working on this. Australia would there have their contact tracing app, so everyone in in Australia is encouraged to download their app that's using Google's and Apple's API. Mm-hmm. And then um, the, you would have that app uh, where you could say, yes, I want to opt in and say, I want to receive notifications every time I'm near someone that has been tested positive for COVID-19. And then the other part of that is uh, someone who has had, who, the important part of that is if someone has tested positive for COVID-19, the, it, there, it's optional for them to provide that information. Right, they're not forced just because they've been tested. Yeah, they automatically notify everyone near them. They're not like logged by their hospital or yeah. something. Yeah, but they're, they're they're it's not tied to your you know hospital records yeah. or medical records anything like that. But you're encouraged to provide that so that you can um, notify people. Okay. In case that they've been in contact. Okay. With you. And I have uh, I have one more question. Not to not to quiz you on on your knowledge. Uh, no, it. it's yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I'm um, just gonna chime in really quick and say, if you don't volunteer the information that you have it, then what's the point? Yeah, but yeah, exactly. So that's sort of the idea is that the, the this is the idea is this is the way that they're trying to sell it. Is this will benefit everyone overall, but again, the, on the other side of things, I'm happy to talk about the privacy. Um, yeah, implications yeah, yeah. of of that. So uh, since. Uh, I'd like to hear your other question, but then I have some privacy concerns. So. Okay. So, uh, like I said, not to quiz you on this at all, but um, and, and this might get a little more technical for, for people, but like since Google is approaching it from the API perspective first and going through app developers, um, say, for example, I download Facebook or something and Facebook has that API built in and I opt in through Facebook and then I download another app that's also using that API and... I opt out on Facebook, does that opt me out of both of the apps? Or am I going to have to go into each individual app developer and opt out? Because you said your app developers can build this into their apps. You know what I mean? Does that make sense? Yeah. Like, is, is the, the does the API basis. itself, yeah, like does I, Google store I think, yeah. your opt-in status? So, right now, I think um, it's it's actually restricted to Facebook can't use this API. Okay, good. First off, that's <laughs> so a good it's thing. Act, it's restricted to official <laughs> apps released by public health organizations. Okay, good. Like, let's say the CDC, WHO, or let's say the PA local government, you know, would create their own app for everyone in Pennsylvania. Because America, United States operates differently, you know. Yeah. Individual states can do whatever they want, kind of. Um <laughs> And they're in charge of their own kind of, you know, the jurisdiction. Um, theoretically, you know, the United States overall can, the U.S. government can launch an app of their own. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's the, the API is limited to public health authorities. And I'm assuming that on if you... iOS and Google. So yeah. Facebook has no, doesn't have access to the API. And I don't want Facebook access right. to the Right. So that, I guess that answers another question I had. But the, the primary thing being that, I'm assuming the opt-in and out status is centralized and not per app. So if you opt yes. in to contact tracing on Google and then you opt out later, you don't have to go into all the apps that you have if you downloaded multiple health apps and opt out of all of them. It's just one yeah, opt-out. Yeah, because it's, cause it's okay. using one central API. It's all 
using yeah. the same back end. It's just whatever front end in the initial phase, right? The second right, phase, yeah. it'll be built into where you can just go into your settings and you can opt in once. Okay. And then you don't have to download any other application at all. It'll be built in. Which I think yeah. that's how Apple's approaching it. I think I misunderstood no, both, question. They're, they're both... They're both doing the API in the initial rollout because okay. it's, it takes a long more time to build this into the core of the operating yeah. system. Okay, I'm done. Right. Jeff, you can ask. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. I, yeah, I thought I, I misunderstood your question initially, Matt. That all makes sense to me, though, Irvin. Um, so one thing I wanted to kind of, I don't know if it's like a debunk or what, but people who are kind of concerned, concerned about privacy, like, oh, I don't want them knowing where I am. Mm -hmm. uh, I think unless you really know what you're doing, that ship has sailed as soon as you got a cell phone. Just yeah. put that out there. Yeah. And also, yeah, that's a, that's a good point. Um, yeah, well, as soon as you have a cell phone, you know, there's a lot of ways that, um, you know, your your cell provider can knows where you are because it knows exactly what cell towers you're connected to. Um, yep. And it, there's been news in the past where T-Mobile, who I use, and Verizon have been caught selling that data through third parties, location data. Uh, because they know without any, even if they don't have access to your GPS, they know about fairly accurately, they can triangulate you based on cell towers where you are. But one important thing to note about this contact tracing, it doesn't use GPS at all. So it uses Bluetooth LE, which doesn't have location built into it. And the API doesn't allow access to the GPS data on your phone. So what it, how it works is it works in proximity to you so that, hey, I personally know that I was at Giant yesterday at 2 p.m. And then I can get a notification at, say, 2.15 p.m. So I was near someone. And then I can say, okay, I was at Giant at 2.15 yesterday. So I can say, okay, at Giant, I was contact, you know, I was near someone who was COVID positive. Okay. Um, right. That so makes sense. You, you were the one actually keeping track of your location, not the app itself, because the app, the API doesn't know your physical location. It's all about just your surroundings, yeah. uh, whatever right. but, the range of Bluetooth LE is. I mean, if you pair that Bluetooth contact with location data that already exists for both devices, you essentially get that. Yeah. But, I mean, it's not as straightforward. It's not right in that collection i guess it takes a little extra legwork but yeah. it's there and all it takes also, is a company masquerading as a health company to to make that jump uh, anything can happen with that i think the the data there i don't know how safe it is at all but i mean i just assume it's not <laughs> that's that's the nature of the beast i guess yeah i think that's the nature of a beast with your smart personal electronics in general like i was saying before um, another question I had was about the accuracy of the distance with this, because the range of Bluetooth 5 LE, LE is 400 meters. So, I mean, the six foot kind of social distancing norm that we're given now is two meters, essentially. So is it accurate to that where, I mean, it's going to know, I assume it is like, hey, Jeff, you're within six feet of Irvin, so there's an issue. Yep. Or is it going to be like, does, does it know, does it have that sensitivity to know that? Yeah, like you were near yeah. somebody as opposed to you were in the same parking lot as them. Right. Yeah, yeah. so Bluetooth LE is, is quite um, accurate in terms of determining distance. Mm -hmm. It's not, you know, down to centimeters or inches. But Enough. it can, you know, a six feet sort of distance, it can just guess if it's a range between six or whatever in that right. range. Six, also, I there's wiggle room, right? So, like, it could be, like, 10 feet. But if it's within 10, they're like, maybe that's six. So let's report that. Yeah, there's got to be some kind of a margin of error there. But also, I don't know about you guys, but if I'm within 25 feet of someone who tested positive for COVID-19, I would like to know. So, yeah. 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 Also, um, maybe there's going to be some, like, weird dating app that springs out of this, like, COVID mingle or something where you can, like, go and... I feel like that already exists. Or Go, like a meetup. It's like, hey, there's COVID singles in your area. <laughs> <laughs> you can only sign up if you you have the antibodies. Or that, is that it? It'll only, it'll only let you register if your API Oof. has a positive COVID result on it at yeah. any time. It's like a God. weird kind of like borderline eugenics dating app. <laughs> oh. Kind of weird. It's like, yeah, I only I date like people with life. COVID antibodies. <laughs> yeah. It's like, all right, get off the dating app. Get off, get off. Yeah. All right. Um, 
I guess my other one of my other comments. I mean, if it's truly anonymized, like you're saying, Irvin, then the third party sale of data, if that an anonymization is persistent, like after the fact, it's still anonymized, then whatever kind of it. I mean, it gives you a little bit of like. A little bit of trace traceability into like who or how people interact as opposed to like who is interacting, um, which is still something to be bought for sure. But it's not as crazy invasive as personalized data being sold in that way. Um, but the other question I had was like the first thing you mentioned going into this was that this would help group activities resume, which I can kind of see how, but also kind of can't. Because I could see how it could tell you, mm -hmm. yeah, you were near someone who had contracted COVID and reported it in this API or this this app, whatever. Um, but I don't know how that's going to allow us to go out in public more. I feel like the risk is still there. You just can identify whether or not you are exposed more accurately yeah. than you could right now. Yeah. Yeah, you can't really know. You just go out shopping and you have just have no idea. You could be you know, talking to someone or... I get, also, how it, I get how it helps reduce the spread because if you identify that you've come up positive, you report it, other people are notified. Hopefully their reaction is, okay, I should stay indoors and isolate myself as well, just in case. Yeah. Whether or not people do that, it's a different story too. But I mean, I and also see the intent. This is going to take like a massive ad campaign to get people to do this because like as a society, I feel like we have a hard enough time just vaccinating people. So, like, getting people to enroll into this opt-in list, I, I feel like it's going to be almost a negligible effect unless there's some kind of a massive ad campaign that just, gets people uh, to do just this. Just get Jimmy Kimmel and Jimmy Fallon to say you should do it and then yeah. everyone will. Yeah, fair, yeah, actually. Sure. I mean, or, or you could yeah. just put it up, you know, on, uh, you know, because all these news, news conferences, I think a lot more people are watching them because they're just curious about any new information about their local authorities or if the president is giving their their daily sort of updates on what's mm -hmm. going on, um, I think, you know, even if, let's say, 25% of the country does this, do you think that'll be beneficial? Or do you think we need more participation? I think there might be some know. benefit, but I feel like the benefits won't be seen until after the fact when we're just trying to mitigate future outbreaks of this. So that way, like, people can know on a real-time basis, like, hey, I'm near somebody who's tested positive for COVID. But also, I'm... I'm worried about the implications of having this label attached to you wherever you go and having people get notified that, hey, you're COVID positive or you yeah, have. Yeah, but it, you don't know who it is. Yeah. You just know someone. Yeah. Here's right. my... It's not like you're wearing, uh, you know, the A shirt or like whatever. What's yeah. that thing called? Oh, yeah. The Dr. Um, Seuss thing? The Scarlet Letter or Scarlet oh, okay. A or whatever yeah, yeah. thing you're like saying publicly, like, hey... I'm COVID now. But this is like your something. But this is like your digital scarlet letter in a way where like if if so, say for example you're in like a grocery store and you're and grocery stores aren't that busy at night, but like you're in there and you're buying something or you're checking out and you're the only one in the area and the cashier gets a notification that you're COVID positive, like you're gonna get treated differently. I don't but it's not real time like that, right? Yeah. Okay. It's yeah. It's um, it's like so, yeah, it's after the fact, like okay. reactive, I would assume. But okay. I don't know what the time stamp is on that or if there are any repercussions if like, like, sorry to keep using it as an example, guys, because you're the ones I'm looking at. But like Matt is COVID positive and he just we just figured out that this guy who reported he is positive is out doing something and is mm -hmm. near other people. Like, is there a repercussion for that? Are you going to be penalized for that? Right. Yeah. And yeah. also the other question kind of not even as I guess that's kind of direct right like if if you were positive and you're out in the grocery store like doing taste tests of samples that's one thing another thing is what if we just find out that matt's out every four hours when we're supposed to be social distancing and staying inside right is he gonna get yeah. in trouble for that do, does that anonymization go mm. away if you're doing something wrong mm -hmm. that's the kind yeah. of questions i have and also who's yeah. to stop someone from trying yeah like you said jeff like trying to enforce this like you go outside you tested positive a something picks up that you were out and about or whatever and whoever has that API just decides to send the authorities to you and be like, hey, go inside. And then, like, it's a, it's not a far leap from being in a police state, yeah. essentially. Yeah. 
Um, I mean, it's, the idea is, right, if you are tested positive, you should stay home. That's the direction. But I'm assuming people are going to be people. They're not. Some people are not going to follow those rules and, and those restrictions. They're going to be out. But I think the main idea of this app is, let's say, because we know that there's an incubation period where you're still infected, but you don't have any symptoms. Yeah. So let's say you, you Matt and I, we're going to ignore the rules. I go over to your house. We hang out. Yeah. For an extended period of time, then I go home. A week later, you start to feel symptoms. Mm -hmm. You get tested positive. Then you report it within the app. And then I get a notification saying, hey, you were in contact with someone who at that time could have been uh, 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 okay. contagious. Right? Mm -hmm. And say, hey, you should probably look out for... You should... Isolate yourself now too, because you are potentially could be infected as well. If you start seeing symptoms, okay, go to your local healthcare provider, make right. find out if you can get a test. So I think that's the overall idea. It's not like a real time sort of notification. Yeah. That, uh, because the the problem with this disease, I don't want to talk about medical stuff because none of us are medical experts, but there's a period where well, first. Some people are nev don't show ever show any symptoms. Right. Some people don't show symptoms for extended period of time before they start, so they can be in contact with people and potentially infect them. So that's what the unique thing about this disease is, or mm -hmm. this this virus. So I think this is sort of help facilitate with that, even for people who have previously been in contact with someone who hasn't shown symptoms, and then later on starts showing symptoms, then they started getting tested positive. Mm -hmm would help to say notify hey there's a slight chance that you you were in contact with this person while they were asymptomatic um and please now you know practice caution and while um contacting others because you could be also involved. yeah i wonder if there's going to be heavy heavy um you know like basically forcing healthcare providers to opt into this because if you're out at a grocery store and someone had COVID around you and you're someone going to the hospital to treat people, you obviously don't want that person coming into the hospital if they've been ex potentially exposed. So I wonder if the, the different like uh, facilities and what have you are going to say, if you're going to come in and work, you have to opt into this because we need to know if you've been around people before you come in here, as opposed to just taking your temperature or whatever else they do. Mm -hmm. Um also, that could overload servers because healthcare providers are going to be around people who have COVID all the time when they're in the hospital. Yeah. <laughs> Unless no one's using the app in there who's a patient. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, I mean, as long as, it, as long as there's some degree of control over this and not making it like an immediate notification, and I, I have hopes that it'll be beneficial, but I'm the, like, the skeptical in me is very nervous about yeah. mass data collection like that. And I, I, I hope that these two companies, both Google and Apple are very transparent on how they're doing this. Yeah. And also that I'm waiting on, on third party um, security researchers to actually vet this fully and actually see exactly I would love to see that API as well. Just to I, see. Uh, I mean, they, they've all, they have all published. I mean, both Google and Apple published a joint letter on the exact, cryptography specifications the bluetooth and the api framework and it's both authored by together by google and apple that's where so i'm hoping that's, that's where i'm i'm really like even google and apple have had security issues before so i'm really yeah. really hoping that this is sewn up tightly because if there's any wiggle room here this is reading and writing from devices in proximity to each other so that's like a way for a cyber virus or something of that nature to spread between devices potentially if it's not done right. So yeah. that's that was another concern of mine that I was waiting to say at the right time. <laughs> Hopefully they're doing this correctly. I assume they mm -hmm. are, but you know what they say about assumptions. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so it'll be interesting for sure. I'm, I'm very curious of how this will work out. Uh, who will, once this gets released, who will actually opt in and what kind of benefit, if any, uh, we might even not see any benefit. Who knows uh, what this will bring, but it will be interesting for sure. And it's been a topic that's been brought up, so I thought we would talk about it when... I, I think we had it on the list to talk about last week. We just sort of glanced over it, but I th I, I, I'm yeah. glad kind of we waited till uh, Jeff was on as well to get his perspective. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, 
sort of switching gears to now something less less serious, more <laughs> light lighthearted topics, and talking about um, uh, tech stuff in general. Um, I know that uh, a couple of you guys have gotten new gadgets recently, um, and uh, wanted to get your perspective. <laughs> uh, Jeff is showing it on the screen now, although we aren't doing video, but um, just yet. But uh, Wanted to get your first impressions on on these gadgets because I know that um, you, for Matt, for for example, you've been on the Apple train for a long while, but you haven't really adopted the weirdly the enough not as long as the, I had initially thought. It's only been since September of eighteen. Yeah, I mean, yeah, not as long. Not as long as but I. You, yeah. you you didn't jump on the Apple Watch train um, as well because you adopted both the phone and the AirPods, but you didn't get the last piece of the tittle, the puzzle um, <laughs> of, of yeah. the Apple ecosystem. And you recently uh, adopted it. I see it on your wrist. Um, mm -hmm. um, yeah, the so, Series 5 Apple Watch. And, 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 and Jeff uh, recently acquired the new uh, Google's answer to the AirPods, the Pixel Buds. Those like just um, came out too. Yeah, yeah they just I... really, really recently came out. So you get a uh, ex exclusive, <laughs> beard effect exclusive. Yeah. Uh, first impressions of of both. So, um, yeah, I don't know which one we're gonna start with. We can I guess we can start with the we can start with the watch first, and okay. then yeah, just because I, I feel like there might not be as much to say about it versus That's how i feel <laughs> <laughs> no I mean, but um but i've been using it to so I, i've been working out on and off for the better part of like five ish years now and i've tried various fitness tracking apps and and wearables and things to to sort of aggregate that data and make it um beneficial to myself because as urban knows i'm a giant data nerd and um i decided finally to jump on the apple watch bandwagon it was either this or like a fitbit i think um and i wanted because i've heard so many good things about how this tracks fitness and it has the extra benefits of being an ekg monitor as well as uh fall detection and it's it's just got a lot of quality of life features built in just for apple products as well and i've been really enjoying it so far it's been really nice um i find that I've been uh, at times a bit obsessive in filling my rings, but I feel like that honeymoon phase will wear off as I wear it more. Like uh, last night, I think, or two nights ago, I was about 10 calories away from filling in the uh, exercise ring, or I, th I think that's the one that is tracked by calories. And um, I was running up and down my stairs to fill those last 10 calories <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> just so I could get that I'm ring filled in. But isn't that the goal of the Apple Watch? Is it, it is, yeah. Sort of encourage you to and, and sort of gamify the whole experience so you get out more and actually be more active. So I, yeah. for a lot of people, actually, that, that honeymoon phase doesn't wear off because it becomes sort of this addicting thing. And a lot of people, and you get actually badges for yeah. continuous, like let's say for 30 days, you filled in all your rings, you get a badge for it and it's say hundred days. And I've seen people where they get a thousand days straight oh of God. rings and you get a badge for that. And you can sort of boost it like in, and you can share between your other Apple watch friends. Like, look, I just achieved a thousand days straight of, yeah, it's like of bragging all rights. my rings closed. So it sort of gamifies and gets people more active. That's sort of the goal of it. So a lot of people, it's a good point that you bring up because I also have it and I've had it for a long time and it, it's it, it, that the closing of the ring sort of becomes addictive and it like kind of encourages you. And mm -hmm. For me, it hasn't really worn off. Um, I also sometimes just completely ignore it um, <laughs> some, <laughs> in certain days because I haven't been that, that, uh, uh, haven't been that obsessive about it mm -hmm. um, of, of capturing or, or, or closing my rings, but it does sort of encourage you and it gives you encouraging messages. It's like, Hey, you know, you weren't as active today as, as you were yesterday. Maybe you should go for a walk. Like it sends those types of messages to you. Yeah. I sort of encourage you to, hey, yeah. uh, saying, hey, stop being a lazy bum without saying <laughs> stop being a lazy bum. The one, thing that, <laughs> the one thing that bothers me a little bit is the stand tracking that it has mm -hmm. built into it. Yeah. So like it's not, it's not great because I've noticed that there's been days where like I'll, you know, I go for walks with the dog and we walk 
upwards of three ish, maybe like two and a half, three miles. And that's sometimes a day. And I sometimes on those days will not hit my stand goal because my hands are not down at my sides. It's because they're up holding a leash or on the phone or, or doing something else. It's not even that. So the stand goal is quite different, actually. Okay. So it has nothing to do if you go on a walk or not. Right. So it all, all it's tracking is if you're sedentary for a long time and saying, hey, you should stand up and move around for a little bit. Yeah. Um, and it's, I think, mainly geared for, let's say, an office desk job. Mm-hmm. So during the week, mainly. So you, let's say you're, well, you're, obviously, all three of us have a kind of somewhat semi of a office desk job that we just sit in for a long time. And I enjoy those notifications that I get to say, hey, you should stand up now and go for a walk, grab a coffee, and just stand up from your desk. Because you sometimes you just get into that lull of like just being on the computer and just yeah. typing away and not moving. And, you know, it's really good to get that circulation in your legs. And also, <sighs> it, it kind of brings me back to stuff that I know it, um, for a fact you and I both took advantage of, Urban, which was the Pomodoro uh, work technique or something like that, yeah, where yeah. Um, you basically, like, do bursts of 25 minutes of pure focus and then you break for five minutes or however long just to like kind of reset your brain and it i feel i feel almost like i'm back in that routine just because i'm i'm forced to because um there'll be times where if i'm in the middle of programming something and i'm like focused on it like i'll look at the computer screen and then like look up and then six hours have passed just because i got like into a flow and i'm working on a problem and it's nice to kind of have a break from that because I've noticed that things I'm normally stuck on, after that little walk, I come back and I'm like solving it real quick. So mm-hmm. just that break of focus kind of gives me an opportunity to mentally reset as well as get some actual physical movement in in my day. Um, but just to like, not, not to get on a tangent, but just to go back to the watch itself, um, I'm liking the, the always on screen that the Series 5 has. And oh, the, yeah. the tech behind that's pretty cool because it's been fairly, like, the impact on my battery life has been almost minimal, if that. Like, I sleep with the watch and then do sleep tracking and all that stuff. Um, but, like, I can still get through a full day, no problem, uh, sometimes and then some. And it's I, I think it's super cool that the watch can dip down to one hertz Um to preserve battery one fps yeah, yeah. one fps or it, it drops or, down from a 60 hertz, or 60 hertz refresh rate screen to like a one refresh rate or something like that yeah because that's that's how they get the battery life to, because to, who'd have thought that a watch doesn't need to have to run faster than one frame per second <laughs> right in order to all you need is that the, yeah. the, the, the second hand to move and that's pretty much it that's the minimum yeah and uh yeah and it's it's been nice I, i'm i didn't think i would like it as much as i did in terms of fitness tracking but it's been hugely beneficial and uh, and, and i like they, how they, they, they have they've done it the implementation of the fitness tracking yeah. on the apple watch is is really done really well they have a workout uh, compared for to other everything watch they, look, they have a workout for everything in the watch yeah and like a, yeah. like even when i'm doing like not to keep saying like closing rings and rings and whatever but ring mm-hmm. fit adventure on the switch um the like fitness game that they've had yeah um there's like a section in the watch for starting a workout for fitness gaming. So I'm able to like accurately track those workouts and like, <clears throat> and it's nice having like the heart rate monitored as I go and, and all that stuff. So I'm, yeah. I'm liking it. I don't know. It's, it, it's the, the first impression is a resounding. I'm happy. <laughs> so um, I guess that's my like initial review of the watch. I've had it for like a week or two now, I think. I think it's just been for like the second half of April, I think, since I've had it. It's definitely, uh, I like the product um, yeah. a lot, a lot of good features. And I like the aesthetic, like the way that it works. And, I, you know, it's just, I don't use it as a smartwatch per se, but I like, you know, tracking all that health stuff mainly. That's the main reason that I use it for. Yeah. Um, I've been I've been playing around with expanding it more of like, Showing my calendar entries and getting notifications directly on my watch or seeing exactly mm-hmm. just glance at it shortly as like, oh, when's that my next meeting or something like that? That helps with that too. But yeah, uh, it's certainly um, the it's a nice addition to the ecosystem of like if you own all the other Apple products or extension yeah. of that. The walkie talkie um, feature is nice too. My fiance has used that to get a hold of me on a couple of occasions. <laughs> <laughs> So it's it's nice having. We that, we that should time. we should test that. I haven't actually tried it with anyone. Yeah, 
Um, that'd be fun. <laughs> like you just randomly walkie talkie you. Yeah. Um, if I'm not responding to my texts, be... I'll get a walkie talkie. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, that, that's good. Um, any, so I know you've been like, um, doing all kinds of others. Like you tried hybrid watches for a while, uh, which are like smart watches, but also they look like, you know, got it right here. They yeah, ha- they're regular watches, but they have some smart features and stuff like mm-hmm. that. Um, yeah, like what what made you actually switch now? So I liked how the hybrid watch had a pedometer and it tracked notifications, and it doesn't have a display. So this this is like a great way to go into say like movie theaters or um, if I want to go to like a nice restaurant, I can wear this instead of an Apple Watch. And mm-hmm. like it, it has a different aesthetic to it because it doesn't have a display and it's analog. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, like, and also I like how it syncs the internet time. I don't have to like wind it at all. It's kind of <laughs> nice. But um, but yeah, like it's and I've tried a bunch of other smartwatches too. And and like my biggest problem was I never utilized all the features of it, and I felt like I was wasting it. Um, mm-hmm. like back when I had the the LG G watch and all those other, um, and like the Samsung watch and all those other smart watches from Android days. And, and I felt like I never took advantage of the features. And I think like having the hybrid watch was a nice segue into making a smart watch part of my daily routine again, or having some kind of feature that I, I used on the watch. And this kind of led me back into smart watches because I realized I was missing on some of the fitness tracking and this, hybrid watch is like arguably too nice to just wear it to a gym or something like i don't want to wear a leather band watch to a gym so it's nice to have something dedicated for fitness tracking and just for tracking like daily activities and stuff like that and something that i can have for tracking notifications when i'm out doing like yard work or out at the store and this thing has been hugely beneficial when out at grocery stores because i can do apple pay without having to dig my glove hand into my wallet i can just hit it i can just use the watch and then when i get home just disinfect the watch and it's been it's been hugely beneficial in in that area so i'm i'm trying to take advantage of as many of the features that it has as possible um just because i now have this super powerful device attached to my wrist but i'm I'm enjoying it i mean i'm i'm enjoying it a lot yeah but uh, Jeff, I'm definitely curious to hear about your your Pixel Buds because I I saw those and it looks like Google finally got them right from what yeah. we saw last year um, or last time. So I bought the first gen Pixel Buds when they we came all did, yeah, yeah, and that is actually what initially drove my switch from Apple to, or iOS to Android because I was psyched about the translation feature mm-hmm. they were offering. I was too. It wasn't everything that I wanted, but it was it was something. Um, but I wound up loving Android, and I've gone from a Pixel Two XL to Pixel Four XL now. It's like I like my phone a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, that being said, when these Pixel Buds were first advertised, I joined a wait list. Um, but what I didn't realize is there's a wait list for each different color of the Pixel Buds. Interesting. So I put myself on the wait list for the four colors they have. They have clearly white. They have Oso Orange, Quite Mint, and Almost Black, which you might be familiar with if you've been following Pixel products in general. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, they've always been I, fun with their colors. I, I was on the wait list for Almost Black, and those are not available. So when I saw that people were getting these, I was like, what's going on? Did they like forget to send me an email or something? Well, clearly white was available. So instead of waiting longer, I kind of was anxious to get some Bluetooth, um, you know, nice headphones. So... I got the clearly white. I ordered them, and within four days, they were on my doorstep. I believe. Nice. Um, Google packaging for you guys to see. Nice. It's always <laughs> nice. I I love their packaging. It's always such a shame to throw it away when I don't need it anymore. Um, yeah, that's why I have a box box at my house. It's a, <laughs> it's a box for all of my boxes. But um, they're pretty cool. So it came with this case that is getting a lot of recognition. Uh, it's it's a lot nicer in my opinion than was on the Gen One. It has like a 
light indicators for your charge amount, kind of like before. Nice. It also tells you a couple other things. And there's now there's a pairing button on the back. It's pretty straightforward. You just have the uh, Pixel Buds in the case. You pr- press that button for a second, and when you're next to your device that's Bluetooth enabled, it'll pop up. It's mm-hmm. like pairable with device. Um, there's a little icon for it in Android at least now. It shows you the battery level on both the right and left Pixel Bud. Uh, there's a couple other features in there too. I'll get into them. But this case charges your Pixel Buds. They have about five hours of battery life when they're out okay. of the case. And this can keep them charged if you rotate in and out for about 24 hours, mm-hmm. which is pretty cool. Yeah. Um, it's a USB-C cable to charge this. It came with a USB-A to USB-C cable. Um, there's no charging brick included, just the cable okay. itself. I think that's what the, but, the first gen had also, just the cable. Yeah, I believe that's right. Mm-hmm. And then there's also these... Um, little things you guys are probably familiar with other headphones they're like the little plastic pieces if your your size is different Mm -hmm. um they have smaller ones they come with medium ones on them and then there's larger ones so i'm using the medium ones right now um they have the magnetic so when you put them in the case they uh mag charge Oh, no. I just changed your microphone input, I think, to the Pixel Buds once, when you did that. Once you turn uh, them out, whoops. <laughs> yeah, your audio is uh, a little messed up now. No, but that's cool that it's like... Switch. But uh, well, it okay, okay, he's right good. Now? Oh, now you're back. Now he's you're back. back. Okay. Yeah, well, so yeah. when you took them out, they'd pray to your computer because I think the AirPods do the similar thing. Like yeah. when you take them out of the case, immediately pairs to the last known device. Well, now uh, we know how quick uh, which it is pairs, nice. which is yeah. nice, yeah. Maybe I'll pair it to my phone so that doesn't happen again. That was but, a good uh, little test that we had there, though. Yeah, pretty cool. <laughs> but yeah, to, to kind of go off of that, I guess, um, it's really easy to pair. You can keep up to six different devices in your history for the Pixel Buds. It'll remember. So I have like a laptop, a desktop, two different mm-hmm. phones right now is what I've paired. Um, and you can kind of like swap them really easily. So... For example, if I have them on my computer and then I get a call on my phone, if I go on my phone and go on Bluetooth and pair the Pixel Buds, it'll switch it from my computer to my phone in like a second, and then I can just pick up the phone on them. It's awesome. Um, And yeah, switch back seamless as well. How's sound quality on them? Sound quality? Um, So on the computer, it was different. I think that probably has to do with the Bluetooth receiver on my computer more than the Buds themselves. But on the phone, it's awesome. Um, The noise canceling is pretty extraordinary. I've been messing around with AirPods as well. Um, Jess, my wife, got AirPods recently to use for a similar reason, and those are great. But this, I, I mean, it's hard to tell the difference. I haven't really spent a ton of time with both to compare and contrast, but I know that they both cancel noise very well. The sound quality is very good on both. Um, I haven't really messed with the adaptive sound on Pixel Buds too much yet, but I know mm-hmm. when I have these in and someone could be right next to me talking to me and it's very hard to hear them if I have the the sound higher. Okay. So it, it does really well with noise cancellation. Um, I know <laughs> kind you of, like audio and like different music, so I'm assuming you've tried different genres of music. Does it like I know they're not audiophile called neither are AirPods, but Right. They sound decent enough for $180 headphones. Yeah. And the most exciting part for me is like I can use these for outdoors uh, activities or like if I'm working out or something and they, they stay in my ear. Awesome. The old first gen, I had a lot of problems with that. These have these little like soft plastic uh, flags that come off them almost and you, you actually rotate them in your ear as it enters like your ear canal and then these things hold it in place. Um, they're very comfortable. They're... Hmm. The AirPods have like the little tails that come out and they're pretty narrow. These are a, a, have like a larger radius, but they have no tail. Yeah, they look super um, low profile, which is nice. Yeah, they're really cool in that regard too. The um, Jabra and the Samsung ones make you look like Frankenstein with the, the <laughs> bolts sticking out. Yeah, I know. <laughs> and I love that they're pretty, yeah, they're they're very, uh, I think they look cool wearing yeah. them too. Um Phone calls. I haven't done too many phone calls on them to be honest yet, but they've I've haven't had too many issues from what I've seen. Um, they're sweat and water resistant in terms of it won't damage your Pixel Buds if you get them like a little wet or uh, sweaty. So you just clean them off and they're good to go. Mm-hmm. Um, it, they have an assistant built in, so if you're into that, I don't really care that much. I just kind of yell out the trigger word and I've got something around me when I need it. Yeah. Um, but <laughs> uh, the the translation's not too different than what i saw on the first gen i mean it's cool that it's bluetooth and you can hold and 
ask your assistant to do it for you as opposed to doing it all through the app now. Um, but you still have to go in and like hold the button that you're now talking and then hold the button when someone's talking back to you. Still a crazy, amazing technology to have, but you know, it's not like you just have a conversation out loud and everything's done for you. Yeah. And um, I had back when I had the original Pixel Buds, I had a couple people who um, spoke other languages, like non native speakers, uh, test it. And it did a pretty good job, but it seemed to be, it seems like it's always going to be pretty much on par wherever Google Translate is. Mm -hmm. So, but it's nice having that like right at your fingertip where you, if you encounter that, you can just get that translator on the spot. It's still, a, um, yeah, it still relies on having an Android 6 or later device near you to mm -hmm. do it. But I mean, it's still cool. I mean, Irvin and I tested it when we had the first gen and it was pretty good between Hungarian and English, which mm -hmm. was cool. Yeah, yeah. pretty good. Uh, the user experience wasn't so as, as yeah, I mentioned yeah. in my head, but yeah, the, the, when you actually <laughs> got the feature working, yeah, it, was, it, was, it was pretty, you know, crazy. You know, I, you can nitpick uh, all this stuff, uh, the translations, but the, once you actually you know, like just think about what it's actually doing, it's kind of amazing, mind-blowing. Yeah. To imagine, yeah. like, you know, 10, 15 years ago, this was kind of impossible tech to do yeah. and like the little, little tiny thing that you just put in your ear and you can hear someone, you know, speak different language and they'll translate for you. It's kind of crazy. Exactly. Mm. Um, and another cool feature added onto this that's on other devices too, but it's a find the Pixel Buds thing. Um, I don't think they have anything through a user interface where it'll like show you their location because they're not that smart, but you can send a signal to them basically from your phone and it'll uh, make them ring pretty loudly. Oh, nice. So yeah. if they're like in your couch cushion or something, it's useful. Yeah, yeah you lost them, which I've been, I've been there uh, for yeah. my AirPods. It's like I, I have one. I have no idea where the other one is. And they <laughs> have a similar feature um, and it's been useful to, to find it. So um, I guess, yeah, Um but a couple last notes, not too many more. Uh, I think I've talked about everything I wanted to say. But, uh, oh, I guess also there's like touch gestures too and swipe gestures for like changing volume, mm. skipping songs, pausing, et cetera, et cetera. You can go back to listen to a song again. That's another gesture. Um, but the last thing, I guess, if it wasn't already made clear through my initial intro, uh, the Clearly White's available. It was I get the price on list on Google's $179. So it is kind of pricey, but they're, I like them a lot. They're a good set of headphones. The uh, Oso Orange Quite Mint and Almost Black, which are like a tangerine color, kind mm -hmm. of like a aqua color, yep. and then uh, a little off black. Yeah. Uh, those are not currently available, but there's a wait list, and I assume they'll be out in the near future. I've always liked the pastel y colors that Google uses for their products. Yeah. I thought it was nice. I always went with their uh, their kind of fabric case. Um, I thought that it felt really good in my hand. I, I like the way it looked mm -hmm. too. But the grip I mean, is nice. I had one of them on my Pixel. I switched to this clear uh, Otter box for my new phone just because it's a little more protective, and I didn't mind the clear look since I could still see underneath. Mm -hmm. um, I was looking but, through the tech specs. I didn't realize this also had wireless charging too, so you don't. Have oh to yeah. Use the cable. I didn't mention that. Um, the case, yeah, the case is uh, capable of wireless nice. charging. I I don't use wireless charging personally. I I just don't. I don't know. Um, Jess does, but but I, uh, if I ever get a wireless charging pad, this can sit on it and be charged. Nice. Yeah, I use wireless charging almost exclusively now, unless I'm driving <laughs> a car or something. So. Yeah, I don't. I don't mind plugging in. Usually, yeah. my phone battery lasts a pretty good amount of time. So. Yeah. Yeah, it's, uh, I, they, I think, nailed it um, um, on this one. A pretty good design and, and good feature set to match sort of what Apple's been doing. Um, mm -hmm. You know, could be just the, like another Me Too product, but, you know, pick the, the Android side of things needed something that worked uh, as well. I know Samsung had, you know, their, their Galaxy Buds, I think they're called, that were pretty good and, and well-praised. Uh, in terms of their functionality, but now Google got into the game as well. Mm -hmm. Came up with something that's on par, um, if not better than and those as well. So, yeah. and the price is right. It's not too expensive because I know that a couple of, and I know Sony makes the the really in earbud ones that are, I think, to three hundred, two hundred fifty dollars, which are more of the high end or higher end. So I think you know, dollar price is a you know matches the AirPods obviously, but 
it you know fits into that price range that people are willing to pray, pay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. So we had some other topics in the the show notes, but we could certainly talk about that later. But I know yeah. that we had a little bit of hard stop for everyone, mm-hmm. me especially. So. Uh, and now we just know what to talk about next week. Yeah. yeah, we have some more stuff to talk about next week, and it's not like we sort of switched away from the urgent sort of uh, regurgitating of news uh, from the from from the weeks past, and sort of have deeper discussions like we did today mm-hmm. about certain topics like contact tracing or just impressions of product that we've been using or, or adopting. Yeah. So it's nice um, uh, actually having some personal investments in our topics for once. <laughs> yes, yeah. and not just reading an article and, you know, just just saying exactly what uh, it's saying. It's, mm-hmm. it's more in-depth and actually give our thoughts and opinions on different topics yeah. and ideas. It'll be better and, uh, for the inevitable slower news weeks when things start to pick back up. <laughs> I think, yeah. uh, I, I personally think, I mean, we'll see what listeners have to say. Uh, we'd love to hear what you have to say. Mm-hmm. But I, I assume this is probably more interesting for everyone involved because we're talking about issues that are very current and uh you know we could share news articles and give our thoughts on products or you know regurgitate articles but we could also just share links to those and that could be how we share those if there's anything that really sticks out we could talk about it but these kind of opinions and uh you know things that seem like they matter a lot more uh they have more consequence and more social implications i think maybe that's more uh newsworthy but mm-hmm. um yeah and uh, and also for uh anybody who's following our twitch channel um keep your eyes peeled on on our twitter account because i'll i'm gonna have a couple of ideas for some streams that uh that i want to do um maybe like <laughs> tuesdays or something i don't know it's whenever um whenever i have i'm doing the least amount of stuff around this house that i'm in <laughs> but um uh I have a couple of ideas, and I'll post on on our our Twitter page what what's happening and when and and the whole shtick with that. But I think it would be cool to have some like open forum chats with anybody who wants to just jump into the Twitch stream and and like hang out with us for for a couple of hours a night. Um, so I think that could be a good way to get in touch with some of you guys. And um, basically, anybody who wants to just follow us at on our Beards of Tech Twitter account, and I'll I'll post about that and. I'll even post the stream there when we go live. So, um, yeah. yeah, I've been also more active on the on the account because I've been putting little uh, um, snippets of mm-hmm. our shows, uh, sort of to to promote it on on all of our social media, including our Instagram and, and uh, Twitter. Um, so, if you guys are enjoying those, I'll be putting those more mm-hmm. uh, every couple of days or so. Little like snippets of the episode, and they have a cool little animation and show the actual text of. Uh, transcription of what we're saying so you can actually see and, and you'll get a direct link to uh to watch the episode right there so that's kind of cool too do we uh, have a short content. url for instagram sorry to interrupt you but uh i do think so it's okay. in our show notes if there is yeah. okay i'll say if we don't if we don't uh, then not. if we don't then we can add it just it'll be like beardsoftech.com slash instagram yeah and that way anybody on mobile can just get straight to our page or you can just search for beers of tech and you'll find us on any social platform because that's our name Mm -hmm. um yeah but it's Um, nice having those little short urls to jump people around and get people to where they need to go but um but yeah so like Irvin said we are available everywhere so beardsoftech.com slash subscribe or just go to your favorite podcatcher and just find us there um, we're available literally everywhere, I think, as of a little while ago. Um, if you want to check up on our information, you can go to just beardsoftech.com. Uh, beardsoftech.com slash reviews will allow you to drop a review. Um, the reviews we... I've, I've seen a couple um, like a, from a little while ago, and, and they're super helpful, and I love reading them and going through them. So anybody who wants to drop us a review, tell us what we're doing right, tell us what we're doing wrong... Any ideas you have for upcoming show formats, we'd, we'd love to hear from you guys. Um, and, yeah, and I guess that's it, really. There's not much else left on the list. Um, it's nice that we've made this so efficient. Well, then, this has been episode 93 of Beards of Tech. Thanks for joining us, and we'll see you guys next week. Bye.